Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story, and we're going to put a bow on this year's college football season. Matt, both of us made some uh, preseason predictions, and don't go back and listen to them because not a lot of them are good. We'll tell you what was good right now. Um, I called the Alabama title because it's easy. You just every year don't bet against Nick Saban and you at least make it to the final week. Um, But that's not the most impressive one. The most impressive one was what in, in the moment felt like a throwaway line. I was talking about how impressed I expected to be by Jalen Hurts after his freshman campaign. And you threw out that uh, I shouldn't overlook the backup quarterback. Yeah, it took uh, it took 14 games, but my my forecast for and I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with it because I've been studying this name for a while. Chua Tagovailoa um, came through and got in there and played really well, and and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I believe I said at that point that I thought he could eventually win a Heisman. Well, he didn't win a Heisman yet, uh, but he did win the MVP in the national title game, so I feel fairly good about that. He's played one. Half of meaningful college football. It yeah. just happened to be the championship game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a strange kind of one for the history books for somebody like me who kind of you know keeps track of things and, and you know records and things like that. It's one that I'm not quite sure how to handle because Jalen Hurts is the starter in this game, so history will say that Jalen Hurts was the starter for the national championship, started every game, um, and yet. He got pulled, and they won the game because his backup played so well. So it's it's a hard one to assess. There's there's not a lot of championship games that it's it's kind of hard to say. Like, well, which quarterback do you give this one to? It felt a lot like, or it's starting to feel a lot like the year Ohio State went through Cardale Jones. Yes, and had yes. you know basically plucked from obscurity. One time, third string quarterback. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and yet with him, he at least started the three postseason games. He started the Big Ten title game and both playoff games. Um, so that that's one too that I've you know looked back on and like, well, do you you know do you say that JT Barrett you know was a national championship quarterback? I mean, kind of. They don't get there without him playing so well in the regular season. Um, this one is, is even more hard to kind of say, like, okay, who's the national champion quarterback of 2017? I guess it's Jalen Hurts, but um, it, it feels a little strange to say that. Do you – I mean, I am the Nick Saban apologist out of the two of us. Right. Do you think that another coach would have pulled his quarterback who was 25-2 and two in that yeah, situation? I mean, I don't know. Obviously, every situation is – is different. Um, I do think that, uh, I think, yes, probably, you know, it, it might have happened, but certainly there would have been more willingness to second guess, and there would have been second guessing if it didn't work. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I, you know, I heard people this morning saying, you know, well, you know, if, if they'd lost, well, if they'd lost in overtime, okay. But if he pulls him and, and the kid comes in and throws three picks and they get, you know, they get beat, you know, 27 to 3. Um, then everybody's saying, oh, my God, he panicked. What are you doing? This guy's, you know. So, uh, you know, it's easy now to look at the result and say, well, that, that, yeah, I agree with that decision. Well, it worked. Um, you know, and, and that's, in some ways, that's the security you get from having the, the, the wins that he's got. 
Um, you know, it's a little bit like some of the things Belichick has done with the Patriots. The, you know, the famous one, the, you know, the fourth down call against Indy, you know, when they go for on fourth and two at their own, you know, 25. But you could do that when you've won a bunch of Super Bowls. When you haven't, it takes a little bit more guts to do that. Um, and, and when it blows up in your face, you know, you just kind of show off the rings and say, well, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Maybe it didn't work this time, but most of the time it does. This time for him, obviously, it worked out great. I mean, it was a great game. It was a. It was. It was. I, now I would. I would kind of go along with the assessment. I heard people discussing that it was a good game with a great ending. I don't think it. You know, to me, it, it wasn't like an all-time classic game. Uh, but certainly, the ending was great, and and the drama was you know high for the third straight year. We got a championship game that had a lot of drama. So you you know you gotta appreciate that. When they missed. The field goal. I thought that Georgia was going to win. Well, I wasn't sure about that. Now, I, you know, it was such a quick turn of events because Georgia goes three and out, has to kick a long field goal. They make it, but I still didn't feel great about it. And then they get that long sack, 16 yards. And at that point, you know, for that 30 seconds between downs, I'm thinking, well, you know, they just got to kind of, you know, minimize gains here in the next two plays. Make Alabama send that kicker out, and let's see if he can make one after just missing one so bad. And then, you know, like I said, within within about thirty seconds, the game was over. So it was a it was a wild uh, momentum swing. You know, from they get the big sack, you think, well, the, the game is is now you know in their control. To then it was over like that. Yeah, true. I, I just I felt like when Georgia got that missed. Uh, field goal that was yeah. kind of a chippy at it that was. point it was and and, and, and how yeah i was gonna say how badly it was shanked uh you know pulled to the left yeah that, yeah you know i thought that that was just gonna be it you know saban's reaction now he gathered himself but he right. he's fiery or whatever but when you're 19 and your coach is bright red and screaming his head off yeah. it's, i'm sure it's hard to rally yeah it would have been very interesting, obviously, to see if he had to come in and, and kick one to, you know, continue the game. How would he have done and would he have been able to answer the bell? I don't know. Um, but, you know, they, they made a big play. It was, uh, it was an interesting second half. I, you know, I heard the criticism today that Georgia got conservative. I would actually say the opposite. I thought Georgia got needlessly um, outside the box. The, uh, the drive, you know, to tie, you know, when the game was tied, Alabama had tied it with, I think, three to four minutes to go. And they go three and out. And on none of those three plays, not only do they not touch the ball, but neither Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle is even in the game. Um, you know, 8,000 yards worth of offense, and they're not in the game on, at that point, the biggest drive of the season uh, was head scratching to me. Sony Michelle had 13 carries for 97 yards as of the 14-minute mark of the fourth quarter and got one carry the rest of the game. That is unexplainable to me. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, that is an indictment of uh, the offensive coaching staff. Unless something happened to Michelle that we just are never going to learn. No, um, I mean, and he was in. He was in the overtime drive, um, but he didn't touch the ball. You know, Michelle gets the first two carries, and then third down, Fromm gets sacked. Um, you know, Chubb had a great career. He's the second all-time leading rusher in the SEC. Michelle was having the better game, and he should have gotten more carries late. Um, and it just, yeah, the, you know, 
The drive when they were, I mean, three straight three and outs. The drive when they were up seven, they run two wildcat plays, which to me made no sense because you're basically telling your great run defense, we're going to run the ball. And to no one's surprise, they stopped both of those run plays. Then the three and out where they had Chubb and Michelle on the sidelines. Then the three and out in overtime where Michelle doesn't touch the ball. Uh, you know, those are those are three drives that I think Kirby Smart and his staff will probably regret for a long, long time because they the game was in their hands and they didn't they didn't lose it with their best. My biggest criticism is something you touched on, which is the going to the Wildcat formation and. I, I guess I didn't watch enough Georgia to know how many times they passed out of it during the course of the season, right. but it felt like with the game on the line, you knew they weren't going to. No, and you're not going to pass out of it at your own, you know, 25-yard line. That's the other thing. I mean, that's a that's a format. They used it on the goal line, and I get that because that gives you some, you know, some ability. to. But, you know, are you really going to have Nicole Hartman throw a pass? from his own 24 or something like that? No, of course not. I mean, you know, you're not... So you're basically advertising, again, to probably the best run defense in the country. We're going to run the ball. And they do a pretty good job stopping the run when you don't tell them you're going to run the ball. Telling them ahead of the snap just didn't make any sense to me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was a drive that they were up seven. Uh, you know, you didn't even really need points as much as you just needed to get a first down or two, and instead they go three and out. Yeah, um, but overall, a really fun college football season. It was. Um, it was always is. Um, UCF you know. is, uh, I think, going to be the story that I remember from the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a, a heck of a turnaround to go from zero and twelve uh, to thirteen and zero two years later uh, is is really remarkable, um, and you know. The whole thing of, uh, you know, claiming the national championship, I, I, look, I, I don't really believe they are. Um, I mean, you know, they didn't, they didn't get a chance to play for it. And if you want to say that's wrong, I agree with you. Um, but, you know, are they national champions? No. You know, I mean, now if they would had a chance to play for it, could they have beaten Alabama? Could they beat Georgia? Maybe so. Um, but unfortunately, the system doesn't give them that opportunity. I just think that they are going to be the the story I remember because of the unbeaten season, because of the yeah. fact that, you know, no one really gave them a shot to even get in for much no. of the year. And then the climb up the rankings was too late. And then to beat Auburn, who had beaten both the teams right. in the title game. Right. You right. Know, yeah. You know, it, it, it makes you pay attention at the very least, you know, and, um, They've uh, they've gone on a PR tour, you know, since beating Auburn, and and really getting that message out there, and it, it gets the conversation started. Um, I don't think we're going to see change to the playoff soon because this is a it's a group that is slow to change. You know, how long did it take to go from bowl games to the BCS, and how long did it take to go from the BCS to a playoff? Um, so it's it's not a it's not a group that looks at things and says you know what let's make things better. They like to maintain status quo. So I don't see it changing soon, but it at least is a piece of conversation that gets us there maybe down the road. Let's do a quick run through of the changes for ASU first, and I think most important, Herm Edwards tweeted again for the first time since 2010. 
updated his Twitter account to have ASU yes. branding. Um, so I guess somebody got his password changed so that they can control his account now. So that's nice. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but on a more serious note, ASU football this offseason went horribly <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, as we discussed in text, you know, when you have a season like this, you don't expect to lose three guys to early entry. That's, you know, that should be reserved more for the playoff teams and the conference champions and things like that. Um, I would never have guessed, quite honestly, when the season ended and Todd Graham got fired, that we would lose three guys to early entry. I did not expect that. Um, but here we are. And, you know, um, I'm not one to tell guys that they, you know, made the wrong decision trying to play professionally. If they have the opportunity, take it. But it, it hurts because they're three pretty good players that, in addition to losing some good seniors off this roster, you know, that's three more players that are going to leave big holes. So on the defense, you're going to have to replace uh, JoJo Wicker and Christian Sam. Sam, as we've talked about at length, did graduate before leaving. But right. in addition to the two of them leaving early, you're going to lose Smallwood um, yeah. and Calhoun. Out, yeah, DJ Calhoun. So it's going to be a lot of holes to fill. The one to yeah. me that is stunning, I, I was going to say when I was leading into this that we lost every 50-50 guy on leaving. But – I don't even think Sam Jones was a 50-50 guy. I, that is so out of left field to lose him. I was surprised. That now, I, you know, I read um, after he said he was coming back, which he initially did, um, you know, I read, I think it was Mel Kuyper, you know, rankings and had him ranked in the, in the top 10, you know, guards available. Now, top 10 guards could be, you know, third day pick. But nonetheless, has him at least on the radar. And I, I remember reading that and thinking, Huh, didn't expect that. And then within a few days, you know, I read the, you know, tweet that he was leaving. So I guess maybe he got the same type of information and feedback. Um, you know, I get it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of change to this program. And maybe some guys aren't on board with joining the new leadership model. I don't know. Um, but there is going to be changes. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to go, I can understand it. It just uh, it surprises me. Like I said, overall, I, I did not expect three early entries to the draft. ASU did announce today that Sean Slocum will be back uh, to coach the special teams. So that's one piece of consistency at one coordinator position, <laughs> and it's the yeah. special teams coordinator. But Yeah, yeah. Kind of surprised at that, honestly. Um, <laughs> you know, since he was really a grand guy, I, I didn't expect that when it you know, when the news first came out of obviously the coaching change and all that. Um, but, you know, hey, he's, he has done a pretty good job. Um, you know, we've, we've been fairly solid on special teams. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously our, you know, our two NFL products from last year, kicker and punter, uh, which, you know, was talked about by Ray Anderson as being a problem. And it is in some ways. But, uh, you know, he, he did good work with them. He did good work with, with Brandon Reese this year. And, Kick coverage has been a, a much improved thing since he got here. Um, huge weakness in the early years under Todd Graham that did get better. So, you know, I'm okay with him coming back, obviously, but, you know, not a lot of stability. So I guess any is good. Yeah, and, and you know, I agree with what Ray Anderson said, but it was not a problem for Slocum. It, it shows no, that not, he was no, ready and he yeah, was on yeah, board. I mean, so, And, you know, it's, it's great to have a kicker and punter 
make the NFL, and they were both really good for us. I think, you know, Ray Anderson's point, and I can't disagree, is you'd like to have a little more than that. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a really good kicker and punter, a good, you know, kicking game. But when that's, you know, the only thing you've got going to the next level, that's where you start to get a little concerned. I hope that the kids who left early uh, have it work out for them. I would hate for the Jahi Carson corollary to sure. get them. Um, you know, if you leave, you, you better get drafted. Yeah, yeah. You know, all of, it, all of them, it sounds like right now, are probably middle round type of prospects. But, you know, a lot of guys right now feel like they're middle round type of prospects. So when it comes down to it, there's only 250 or so guys who get picked. And a lot of guys every year, there's, there's always a number every year that, you know, you look at the end of the draft and say, that guy didn't get picked, what happened to him? Um, and they end up having to make it as rookie free agents. That's a tough road. It could be done, but it ain't easy. So, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish them the best. Um, they all gave us, you know, good, good years of service. Um, and hopefully it'll work out well for them. But I don't know. You know, it, it's, a, it's a dicey proposition in some ways. ASU has uh, almost rounded out the coaching staff. They picked up a defensive coordinator out of San Diego State. The offensive coordinator uh, was already announced. There is one more spot, which I guess the NCAA is allowing now a 10th assistant right. coach or a 10th right. on-field coach. So. Yeah, actual player coach. Yeah, yeah, basically. So once that's announced, ASU will have rounded out everybody. It's going to be important now to have some stability for the Sun Devils. And I don't mean long term. I mean right now, between now and the end of recruiting even, because this was a window where, you know, when the recruiting slipped under Graham, it was because guys would be here for two weeks and then they'd get a better offer and be gone again. Right. So that's something to monitor. Um, You know, we are – about five weeks away, I believe, from the next signing period. Yeah, yeah, about four weeks. Isn't it? Uh, usually the first or second Tuesday of February, so usually right after the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, you know, it does come up fast, and it's it's not a recruiting class that's very highly regarded right now. Um, how much does that matter? I, I don't know. You know, as we've discussed at length, the recruiting rankings can be, you know, deceiving both ways. Um, but you know, right now, not a lot of people think very highly of the group we put together. It doesn't seem. Since you mentioned the Super Bowl, let's pivot over and talk about the NFL. The first weekend is in the books of the NFL playoffs, and just like I said, the Rams had no shot, and it would be <laughs> foolish. As soon as as soon as you bought stock in the Rams, they they uh, went under. Yeah, that that was kind of the story of the year with you and the Rams. You were down on them. And then they look good, and then you bought in, and they looked like a they looked like a playoff neophyte, which you know they were, um, and the Falcons were not, and uh, you know it was the one game that you could kind of point to and say I wouldn't be surprised if the road team won, and they did. Stunning that the Titans won, uh, especially given how the first half of that game went. That was not one I expected. Uh, we both picked all four home teams. Sunday went that way, but uh, Saturday surprised us. Yeah, that. Chiefs game, the the Chiefs fan base, you know, I don't know. Boy, uh, I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I heard people talking about it before, and and they, you know, it ended up being true. That's a, you know, it's a place that that's a great home field, but they've had so much heartbreak there that you almost feel like as soon as something bad happens, panic sets in. 
And that's how it felt when, you know, the Mariota play, the touchdown to himself where it got deflected and he, you know, runs it in and you could almost just feel the, the nerves popping up and, and they just kept on that way and, and uh, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong the rest of the way, basically. Yeah, and then Sunday was chalk, um, but... Yeah, a good, a good game between the, the Saints and the Panthers and a, uh, a not-so-good game, although, you know, traumatic at the end, but really bad offensive football between the Jaguars and the Bills. Not a, you know, we talked about it, um, I think, last week, that it felt like a game that, you know, would be played in London at 6.30 in the morning, and it kind of went that way. It was, it was not pretty. Do you think the Jaguars' defense is for real as a playoff caliber defense, or do you think the Bills were just way over their I think, heads? I think both. Uh, I mean, I think their defense is really, really good. They, they, uh, you know, great pass rush, really good secondary. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is, is uh, you know, a star waiting to break out. I think, you know, Jacksonville's not a big market, but he's a guy that, you know, is like right there on the precipice of becoming a, a huge, you know, name because he's got the personality to back up the play, he's a very bold, uh, in-your-face kind of guy. That you know, a big game on this weekend against the Steelers could be the you know thing that kind of pushes him forward into star-level territory. Um, great pass rush, like I said, with all those you know all those defensive linemen. So I think so, but the Bills are not very good either. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a nice story that they made the playoffs, but they're very limited in a lot of ways, and you saw it. What do you think happens this weekend? I mean, I'm liable to go heavy on the home teams again, obviously, you know, for one reason, they're the better teams. They're the teams that, you know, every one of them went 13-3 in the regular season. Um, you know, the, the one that I think is Philly. interesting Philly. is Philly. Philly. <laughs> Philly does, you know, and yet it almost has the feel, and I always think that, you know, in playoff time, especially in football, when it's one game, when a, when a home team becomes such a popular underdog, you know, everybody's picking against them. And I think, well, you know, they were pretty good for a reason. Now, they don't have Carson Wentz, obviously, you know, but I guess I'm like, I'm thinking, it's, it's too many people on the Atlanta bandwagon. It's just, there's, it almost kind of feels like one of those situations where too many people are, oh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. I'm like, well, they were the sixth seed for a reason, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. I, I guess my thing is the Philly defense hasn't been bad in the post-Wentz time. You know, adjusted for the fact that their offense is struggling more. Yeah. You know, and and I think that if the weather is bad, like, look, Atlanta's offense looked good. They were playing in Southern California. It's nice. They're a dome team. If Philly is, you know, 12 and windy – yeah, you know, and, and I guess uh, you know forecasts have it being pretty nice for you know January in Philly. I mean, I was P- PTI today said it's supposed to be you know sixty degrees. Um, so if that's the case, obviously that plays even more into the Falcons' hands. Um, I, I mean, if I had to pick, I would probably pick Atlanta because Philly has looked so shaky. But I just it's one of those where I feel like it's almost too popular. Uh, you know, it, it's become like, you know, the, the overrated, underrated player, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably go that way because I don't think all four home teams win. Um, Viking Saints is a, is a toss-up game to me, too. I told you last week I thought that would be the NFC title game because I thought L.A. would win. Um, 
so that that's a that's a tough game to pick in the AFC. I favor the home teams pretty heavily. Um, Jacksonville went to Pittsburgh and beat them earlier this year, really embarrassed them, which leads me to believe Pittsburgh won't have that happen again. Um, and and I just I can't see Tennessee even staying close with New England. Yeah, I mean I I guess I think that the ESPN story about New England is exactly the thing that Bill Belichick would want to say, see, no one believes in us. Everyone says we're on our way out. You know, yeah. I know we're the I know we're the best team and I know that we're I don't even think they're gonna need it. I mean, Tennessee's been a nice story, uh, you know, but they're not very good. Um, you know, they're they're just not. So I, I think uh I think that could you know maybe not a you know, forty-five to seven kind of blowout, but a game that probably will end up being something along the lines of you know, twenty-eight to six. Uh, you know, it, it may not be uh, you know huge route, but it's going to be a game that isn't really in doubt at all in the second half. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm actually going to take all four home teams. I think the Eagles will pull it out somehow. Okay. So you're kind of. You're kind of of the same mindset as me, obviously. That, uh, I, I just that, think that yeah. there's a lot of other talent on that team. There is. And Nick yeah. Foles, you know, it's not like A.J. McCarron or something where it's like, well, he's got a lot of measurables, but we've not seen sure. it. Like, Nick Foles has won games. He's been good. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, he's had moments. He's been good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. They've looked so bad the last two weeks of the season. Um, and, and, you know, Atlanta has played better, but, you know, even like we keep waiting for Atlanta to look like they did last year and their defense was really good on Saturday night. Offense still wasn't that good. I mean, they ran, you know, they were okay. They were good enough. Um, but this offense just has not gotten to the heights they were at last year. So I just don't know. I like, there's just, there's something telling me it's a little too popular of a pick. Whenever the you know the road team is such a popular pick, it's like, well, the home team is the home team for a reason because they were better. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, all of this to me is secondary to just waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to take over the league right. next year, and that's right. We that's don't right. even have to bother playing the games, so that'll Probably be fun. Sixteen and zero. I, I think probable sixteen I mean, and zero. History, you know, his history thus far would tell us sixteen and zero. He has never lost a game as a starter in two years. And just movie star handsome, which I think goes a long way. Yeah, and, and, you know, look, I'm being facetious, but he really did give them some life. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, boy, I mean, you know, you always hesitate to get too excited about an end-of-season hot streak on a team that was way out of it. Because we've seen it before. You know, this team wins, you know, four in a row at the end. They've started, you know, Two and eight, and then they get hot. And like, oh, they're gonna get, they're gonna make a run next year, or they don't. But gives them, you know, you start looking around and think this team might be decent. And the Seahawks appear to be trending down, and the Cardinals appear to be trending down, and you know, maybe the Niners can make them push up as soon as next year. Yeah, be fun if it was Niners Rams at the top of yeah, that division I mean, next year. It's, it's, you know, I, I hesitate to say it, you know, because I think it's so people love to do that, but. Maybe, you know, the guard has changed a bit. You know, you saw the Rams win the division. You saw the Niners finish on a positive note. Cardinals, you know, coach is gone. Quarterback is gone. Seahawks are, you know, facing some changes defensively, especially. 
uh, you know, maybe you start seeing the, you know, the balance shift the other way from where it's been the last couple of years. Here goes a fake ad read about uh, whatever. You know, we don't have a real one, but now would be a good time if we had a sponsor to mention them about a mattress or your underwear or ticket purchasing or, you know, rich people business travel. What, whatever it is that, you know, people advertise, we could put it here. We don't have one, so we're just going to carry on with our ad-free content that we provide every week, more or less, sometimes. Sometimes twice a week. Um, And we're going to talk about the number 11 basketball team in the country. Matt, uh, a road split for the Sun Devils through what was really a a house of horrors for them the last, you know, six seasons. Basically since this road trip existed. Right. Right. Um, The Colorado game, they took it to overtime. Foul trouble uh, all around this whole weekend, but that game, it it took its toll, and they they almost pulled it out. I I kind of thought Troy Holder's three-quarter court post-steal at the end of regulation was going to go because it just felt like that kind of game. But that was a game where they had the lead early. They coughed it up and wound up losing, but rallied against Utah in, in the face of 31 fouls, including yeah, okay. having all of the bigs foul out and all of the yeah. other bigs have four fouls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Romello White fouls out at six minutes of game time. Um, Blake fouled out. Scheibel fouled out. Uh, by the end, it, you know, it resembled the team we were last year. Yeah, I mean, Four Mitchell had four. Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, a, a gutty win because it easily could have been – This is a, it's a hard weekend because it could have gotten swept – and yet, you won one, you went to overtime in the other, so you feel like, not so bad, you know, not very, very close to taking both. Probably turned out the way it should have turned out. Win one, drop one, um, you know, and, and not disastrous. Uh, you know, as I as I said to you right after the game, 0-3 wasn't sure doom, but it, it just, you know, it's not ideal. If you're, if you're going to hope to make a run at the top of the conference, starting 0-3 is a big hole to put yourself in. Yeah, getting out of it at one and two, um, yeah. coming home now to play the Oregon schools looks good. Yes. And, yes. and now you just have to take care of business. The Oregon yeah. schools are not good. You should beat no, both of them. And yeah. and then all is right in the world if you're three and two. And, uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I mean, you, you start jumping ahead a little, uh, you know, and I, I did this on Sunday morning. I'm thinking, you know, well, okay, you find a way to win this game, and then you get the home sweep. Three and two ain't so bad. Now at that point we were zero and two, and you think, well, you know, probably should get ahead of myself. But getting that one, now we're back home. You know, I mean, if you can, if you can split each road weekend from from here on, that you know would put you four and five on the road. And if you can win the majority, if not all, of your home games, that's going to give you a real nice record at the end of the year. So I mean, that should be the goal. That gets you to around you know twelve and six, eleven and seven in the conference. Which, you know, the way the conference seems bunched together, that's going to keep you in the mix at the top, you know, probably four. Um, and certainly given the undefeated non-conference season, more than enough to get you in the tournament comfortably. Yeah, I mean, if we show up to the tournament at 25-6 and six or 24-7, and yeah. seven, that that's... We're fine. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's... Look, I mean, you hate to do this, but that's college basketball nowadays. I mean, you know, it'd be nice to win the conference regular season. But short of that... Peak in March, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't want them to be playing the best in early January. Um, you know, like 
peak at the right time. And if you can play well enough to give you a chance to peak at that time, that's really ultimately what matters. I mean, college basketball has turned into a four-week sport in, in the nation's eyes. Conference tournaments at the NCAA tournament. So if you're playing your best then, that's the time to be playing your best. Yeah, the uh, last piece of news, uh, Tayshawn Cherry, who was involved in the scandal at USC uh, as a recruit, he reopened his recruitment and he is visiting uh, Tempe on Thursday. Obviously, he's denied having any part in the wrongdoing and it's still for all intents and purposes, appears to want to play college basketball for at least a season. Um, so if, if Hurley lands him, that's another four, you know, borderline five-star yeah. recruit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And no, I mean, things are, things are still good. Um, you know, I, I was a little perturbed at falling out of the top 10, even though it means nothing. Um, but you know, I, I kind of felt like that was one of those, as I texted you, you know, you feel like you're, you're still, you get that haves and have-nots, right? You know, Michigan State, they they lose on the road to an unranked conference opponent. They fall three spots. Arizona State does the same and falls seven. But, you know, that's the way it is. Michigan State's been to, what, six or seven Final Fours in the last 20 years. We haven't been to any. So I suppose that's the respect they've earned. I think I saw from Haller, and if it wasn't him, somebody else in the ASU media tweeted that ASU was on every ballot still um, yeah. between five and 20. So that, yeah. that's that's not bad, and it's one of those things. You know, when you start the year expecting to be a borderline tournament team and sure. sixth in the sure. conference, boy, it's hard to. It's greedy. You get greedy. It is. It is. No, I mean, if if someone had told me before the year started that at the halfway point, you know, and we are right at the halfway point, number of games, we'd be thirteen to two and ranked number eleven in the country, I would have gladly signed up for it. Uh, you know, now, you, you know, when you drop two of the last three and you go from number three to number 11, you feel a little bit, you know, like, ah, we're number 11 now. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you take it, you know, put it in context of where we expect it to be, where we are, this ain't so bad. Absolutely not. The Oregon games are this week uh, and weekend. Matt and I will be back next week to talk about everything else that's going on. Uh, more NFL, more college basketball. Maybe more ASU football if they keep making news. Although That's right. I kind of hope that the only news is commitments between here and <laughs> the first yeah, week of February. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's Ben and Matt Sportscast.